And we got a bunch of people asking about sad DNS. We will be doing that in the news. Are we planning on doing the news today, folks? Sure. Ryan's ready for it. Yeah. Do we just want to record it right now and maybe just post it instead of doing it live? I can even stream it right now. (laughs) You can? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. minute. Wait a minute. Will you be able to get my slides and everything? Can you stream it from GoToWebinar? Yeah. Okay. 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 No. No, no. Well, I gotta set it up first. All oh, right, right. Yeah. So I guess we're gonna do the news. So if y'all want to stick around, and I'm literally just gonna do one type of attack in the news today. Uh, okay. That's it. We put the news on YouTube Live, so we do the news sometimes twice a week, sometimes once, and then we make the the audio recording available on Spotify, iTunes. Google podcast, etc. Are we live, Ryan? We are now live. All right. So let's look at okay, you're ready, Deb. Welcome to the news. Dun, 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 dun. All right, there's a kitty. All right. So today uh in the news, we're gonna talk about the SAD DNS vulnerability. This is a new vulnerability where you can do cache poisoning against a DNS server. Cache poisoning attacks have been around for a really, really, really long time. And it's just, they've gone through a series of iterations. And it's really funny how with DNS, the way it's actually been working is you'll have this vulnerability in DNS and then somebody will just fix that one vulnerability and then it'll move forward a little bit, and then there'll be a new vulnerability, and it'll just fix that vulnerability. And it's just like this incremental improvement in security. It's not like anyone ever really sits down and says, hey, we're just going to fix this across the entire internet. Even though DJ uh, DNS is like, yeah, we can fix this, or you know, DNSSEC and all these, but we're not seeing that as widely adopted as we should. So let's do a quick history lesson for the news, because if we want to understand sad DNS, we got to go back in time. So years ago, back with DNS, if you were going to attack DNS, like we're talking in the 90s, like the late 90s, you could submit a request to a DNS server to resolve a name. So I could say, please resolve yahoo.com. And that DNS server would give me the IP address for yahoo.com. Well, a long, long, long time ago, you could do a lookup for, uh, let's say, my server is evil.com. And I could say, excuse me, could you resolve evil.com? And then that system would come to me, evil.com. And it would say, excuse me, do you happen to have the IP address for www.evil.com? And I would say, I certainly do. I have the IP address for www.evil.com. And by the way, Here's also the IP address for www.yahoo.com. And I would respond that. And that server on the other side would say, okay, I got evil.com. Hey, thanks, buddy. You gave me yahoo.com too. And it would trust it. And then you could poison the DNS of that remote system remotely. So they fixed that, right? So they fixed that vulnerability way back in like 1999. And they incorporated this concept of ballywicked domain. All right. And what that means is responsibility. Okay. So if I'm evil.com, I can respond for anything associated with evil.com. 
evil.com. All right. So I could do anything I want with evil.com. Now I can't do yahoo.com anymore. So they fixed that little vulnerability. And that's the way a lot of DNS cache poisoning attacks were working back then. And then for a long time, um, almost 10 years, which is weird, you almost see these 10 year cycles of DNS cache poisoning attacks. It sat and it worked like that. Now, Everything on DNS, which is kind of like that phone book of the internet of resolving names and IP addresses or numbers together, hinges from a security perspective on two things. And I have it up on the screen right now. Mm -hmm. Source port and query ID. Both of these are 16 bits. So with 16 bits, you have 65,536 possible values for source port, and you have 65,536 possible values for query ID, okay? So if I want, like, between up until about 2008 to start attacking a DNS server, I would have to spoof a whole bunch of DNS traffic, and I would have to guess the query ID. But here's a kick in the teeth. If I'm trying to spoof www.google.com, I will try to spoof the answer for www.google.com, but it's a race condition against me trying to spoof it in the real Google DNS server. But the real Google DNS server has a huge advantage of me, over me. It actually responds back with the proper query ID. So while I'm trying to brute force and guess that query ID, Google, if somebody tries to resolve it, can just waltz right in with the answer because it knows the query ID because it was the server that actually got the request. The problem is it caches that answer. It sets a time to live value for that cache DNS, DNS answer. So if I try to spoof a request and try to attack www.google.com, I'll go, okay, www.google.com, query ID 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Crap, I lost. Google won. And now it's going to cache that answer for a variable amount of time. It can be a couple of hours. It can be an entire day. And I have to wait again to do that race. And that sucked because you would do like maybe one or two races a day and you would lose and you would keep losing. And your odds of actually beating that query ID and finding that query ID before Google responds back, really low. But Dan Kaminsky found a trick. Dan Kaminsky's trick was you have to win a race. You don't necessarily have to win the race you're looking for. So if I want to cash poison www.google.com, I don't really have to cash poison www.google.com, or more accurately, I don't have to win the race for that one. Let me explain why. What Dan Kaminsky discovered is you can start thousands of races for non-existent systems. Because that timeout, if you lose for a legitimate race, you have to wait for a while. But if you start a bunch of races for non-existent systems, it doesn't matter. You don't have to wait. You can just do another race. So I can do a race for randomvalue1.com and lose. And then do another race for randomvalue2.com and lose. And then randomvalue3 and then and then five, and then six, and then seven, and then eight. And I have all these random races that I'm starting, and I'm losing all the time. I lose, you know, race 60,000, race 70,000, race 88,000, race 92,000. I keep losing. I don't care. I'm just starting multiple races. But finally, let's say on race 90,152, I win. And as soon as I win, I say, I don't know, which is weird, right? 
I got the query ID. I have a non-existent system and I'm doing this DNS race, but I finally got the query ID. And then I tell the DNS server, I don't know. Seriously, what the hell? Why would you do that? The reason you would do that is you would say, I don't know, but the system that does is this DNS server over here, which is my evil DNS server. And you can go ask him for that question. So now that system I'm trying to poison comes to my evil DNS server. And it says, hey, do you happen to have the IP address for random.google.com? And my DNS server can say, yes, I do. Here's the IP address. And by the way, here's also the IP address for www.google.com. Because I got that query ID, and I guess that query ID properly, even for a non-existent system, absolutely everything that comes from that point on is trusted because I got the query ID set correctly. And that's how it worked up until about 2008. Dan Kaminsky's vulnerability, I can't overstate it enough, literally, if he wouldn't have released it publicly, would have given him access to literally any organization in the world and their ability to take over computer systems. So whenever you see people like Dan Kaminsky every once in a while say, I remember the one time my girlfriend gave me a hard time because I broke the internet. Dan Kaminsky literally broke the internet. Hmm. I wish I could say it was like the only time he did something awesome. Dan Kaminsky did lots of awesome work. Oddly enough, that year they gave him a pony award, which was stupid because they're like, this is an overhyped vulnerability. But but Kaminsky actually showed up to accept the award because the dude's a champ. All right. Yeah, go ahead. What kind of crime can I commit with this? So if I can cash poison your environment, imagine if every user in your environment wants to go to Mm wellsfargo.com, but instead of going to wellsfargo.com, they actually come to my evil wellsfargo.com, but the URL says wellsfargo.com. It looks like wellsfargo.com, smells like wellsfargo.com. Now I can start harvesting credentials for wellsfargo.com. And I can do it many times and some other tricks without getting browser pop-up warnings as well. So this gets to be a very, very dangerous vulnerability because DNS is literally one of the key protocols that binds the entire internet together and makes it work. And if I can control DNS, I can reroute users anywhere I want them to go. And and how do we stop this on the blackhillsinfosec.com website? So it turns out to fix this particular vulnerability back in 2008, it was easy. Fix that the organization put in is they randomized not just the query IDs, but they also randomized the source port. As you remember, there's 65,536 ports for UDP and then 65,536 ports for TCP. So they fixed this by doing double randomization, which honestly they should have been doing from the beginning, but what the hell. So that was where they fixed it just a little bit because many, many DNS servers used a static source port for all of their DNS queries. And that fixed the problem, actually, for a really long time because attackers would have to brute force and guess not just a query ID, but also a source port. It basically doubled the, the total amount of space for trying to crack this, and that makes it really hard to guess that query ID and that source port at the same time, up until SAT. 
So the SAD DNS vulnerability is very, very, very similar to something called passive scanning or idle scanning on Nmap. And basically, it's using a side channel attack to be able to identify a source port without actually being part of the direct attack. So let me explain. So whenever you're looking at a, a system, right, if a source port is actually in use by one application like DNS, I can't use that same source port for another application because it's in use. So what the SAT attack found out is you can actually look at ICMP port unreachables where you can be scanning the system at the exact same time you're doing a cache poisoning attack and then collecting a record of what ports are closed to your secondary scan, which means that that's the port that's actually being used in yeah. the DNS core. So it allows us to de-obfuscate the DNS port that's being used for the source port by taking advantage of ICMP port unreachable messages. And you can do this in batches of about 50 because there's actually DDoS protections that are put in place on computer systems. But even going through 65,536, if you can batch that in groups of 50, it makes it a lot faster than trying to go through and do it one at a time. It becomes a game of horseshoes and hand grenades, and it greatly speeds up the process of being able to bring a vulnerability back again. So the vulnerability, like how we're planning on fixing this is there's really good ideas like using DNSSEC and basically setting up and trusting and encrypting your DNS queries. But this, this whole entire protocol and setting up the security on two different 16-bit values is really just not a good idea in computer science at all. The problem is DNS is so core to absolutely everything that we do that it's very hard to just do a full rip and replace and upgrade across the entire internet. So that is the SAD DNS. There's a great article, Cloudflare, that actually talks about it. They don't go far, as far back in time as I did, all the way back to the 90s. They did talk about the Dan Kaminsky attack. But basically, what this takes advantage of is whenever a port is in use, it can't be used by another application, and you'll be able to identify what ports are on use on that computer system, and it'll make it a lot easier to identify the ports that you can then start sending your spoof responses to. Just to clarify, DNS is where I type in yahoo.com instead of 10.27. Yes, yes, exactly. So uh, you sure. don't have to memorize numbers. You mm -hmm. literally just type in Google and your computer automatically resolves that for you. It wasn't like one company in charge of that, like in the very beginning, and then everybody was able to be in charge of that. Years ago, it used to be just hosts, files, everyone create their individual host files, which still exist mm -hmm. on your computer systems today. And then people would basically put their values in their host file. And then slowly over time, you started seeing more and more DNS providers. And eventually ICANN ended up that was it. and running DNS for the entire planet. And, and whenever I say running DNS for the entire planet, they run the root name servers. So anytime you look up something, like let's say you look up www.blackhillsinfosec.com, your system that's doing the resolving We'll go to the root name server and say, do you happen to know where BlackHillsInfosec.com is? It'll say, no, I don't, but I'll refer you to Black Hills Infosec's name server. So there's always this referral system. And that's what Dan Kaminsky took advantage of.
So this feels like that interview question. So when I go to google.com, what happens? <laughs> That's, that is absolutely one of the interview questions that comes up. And uh, or how many root name servers are there? I'm, I'm sure that you've heard that at various dinners at the Sands Institute. But uh, but yeah, that's one of those things. And usually whenever people ask those questions, like I open a web browser and I surf to Yahoo.com, what happens? It isn't about finding the right answer, but it's basically seeing how someone thinks through the answer and what point of that particular protocol, that communication or that application is black magic to the interview and what parts can they kind of fumble through? It's one of those fun interview questions just to see how people think things through. Was there any questions from the audience you saw, Patrick? Or? Mostly pretty clear at this point. A lot of thank yous for the training. And well, a lot of when will I get my certificate, which would, should be, I believe, Sunday. Or I should yeah. say your, your signed completion form via email. Yeah, the, the people watching the news right now are like, what? So we transitioned <laughs> directly from a training class that we had <laughs> into doing the news uh, that you'll be able to find. I don't know how Ryan's going to pull this out and throw it onto the internet, but... Uh, well done, Ryan. I'll get it done. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to use DNS, apparently, to find the video, I think, right? You'll use DNS every day. It's always DNS <laughs> that you use. All right. Well, that's the only news story I wanted to talk about today. Um, by the way, I have it up on the slide. This is really cool. The trick is, you know, ICMP rate limits and then basically getting those ICMP port unreachables. It's just, just beautiful hats off to the researchers. So good job. Yeah. All right, Ryan, go ahead and kill the news. And then uh, the we'll, news. we'll talk to all of our training attendees one last time. Say our goodbyes. Bye, news.